Thanks, Mike, for finally letting me tour the Cage Club Podcast Network studios. No problem, Brian. But hey, could you not tell Joey? He hates it when you mess around with his stuff. Is that every Nick Cage movie ever? Yup. From Fast Times to Massive Talent, this network is pretty much the house that Nicky Coppola built. Hey, what about over there? Where do those stairs go? This is Uncle Francis's wine cellar. <laughs> A podcast where we break down the films of Francis Ford Coppola, cut by cut. And this is a Cage Club Network production. Buonasera, have a seat, have a glass, and welcome to Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And, and where's Michael? We're not starting the podcast without Michael. Here I am. <laughs> hey, how's it going? And I'm Mike Manzi. Oh, I love that. I, I love that intro. Uh, we are here for <laughs> Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. Once again, we are starting, ironically, with not a Francis Ford Coppola project, but something about a Francis Ford Coppola project. It's going yeah. on now as we record. Not sure when these episodes are coming out because this is a labor of love. But we are talking today the offer, episode one. Episode one. Is there a, is there an episode name or is it just episode one? There is an episode name. I'll get it right now. It is called, let me pull up the Wikipedia, A Seat at the Table. Oh, pretty fitting. All right. I could see that. That relates to a bunch of threads going on in this story. But yeah, here we are. Episode one official covering the offer. And if you're not familiar with this podcast, which why would you be at this point? But uh, it's not a wine podcast, though I will be drinking Francis Ford Coppola's wines throughout our recordings. <laughs> I will be continuing the bottle from our first introduction episode, and it is Francis Ford Coppola Diamond Collection, Cabernet Sauvignon. 2018 so Very i did half nice. the bottle i half the bottle last time i was whoa, surprised whoa. so i still have yet to purchase my wine i will meet you there soon but i was just wondering why uncle francis doesn't have a nice strain of cannabis out there on the market somewhere <laughs> he probably does <laughs> he lives in northern california you know yeah isn't that the green triangle or something <laughs> they call that I don't you know. would know more than me uh, i guess <laughs> by the way we're a home goods family here Clearly, my wife has only purchased wine glasses that have things on them, written on them. This one says, time to wind down. So oh, let's wind down with a good. Little, little, little talk on the offer here. Yeah. Um, off the bat, this is not getting good reviews. The critics mm. hate this. Hate? <laughs> I, I purposefully have not read anything or talked to you or anybody else. Well, I don't really talk to that many people outside of the network anyway. But um, I watched the episode twice. I've got a lot of thoughts, but I'm surprised to hear the word hate being thrown around about this. Well, I have a couple theories on why. Uh, and then just for your reference out there, I was going to call them slumbers. No, this is not High School Slumber Party. Just for your reference out there, what, Coppola heads? What, <laughs> nieces what are and nephews. I want to call yeah. them like our nieces and nephews, but that's that doesn't sound great. Because <laughs> you know, it's Uncle Francis, and but we'll figure something out. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like the nieces and nephews thing. <laughs> Extended family. Mike, you know what this, this film was about? Family. It's about the American dream. <laughs> I have some theories. I have some theories as to why people don't like it, but let me hear you. Well, this is a 10-parter. Just want to kind of introduce the series, and it is on Paramount+. Plus. Not a lot of people have Paramount+, Plus, so I haven't seen a lot of buzz about it, but the buzz I have seen hasn't been good so far. But we don't care about critics here. We just want to have fun. And we're watching it for the Francis Ford Coppola connection, obviously. The Offer is a show about the making of The Godfather. While he's not the main character, he's in it a lot, especially, mm -hmm. you know, a a as we go along, and especially at the end of this first episode yeah, here. So, yeah. by the way, by the mm -hmm, way, mm -hmm. the first episode is free on a lot of platforms. Yes. So if you just want to kind of get into the series... Easy way to get into this series. Yeah. Right? And yeah. guess what else is free, Mike? What? This podcast oh, is free. Oh, nice. I see what you did, and I like it. Uh, yeah, you know, I was surprised to find out, even in just this first episode, I think I can tell moving forward 
how little this might actually have to do with the Godfather, which I'm fine with. I mean, I'm sure it'll grow as it goes, but 10 episodes and we're starting like this. I will just give my hand away early on. I do like the show. I mean, that's not to say it doesn't have issues, which we'll talk about, but this is a show on Paramount Plus. It's about Paramount Pictures. It's about the studio. Like, it's not necessarily about the Godfather. Like, it's about, you know, the behind the scenes of making a picture, the process and everything. And, you know, Robert Evans and Al Ruddy and Francis Ford Coppola putting this show together. And that might have possibly thrown some people, you know, just being like, where's all the Godfather? Where's Francis? He doesn't even show up till the last, like, 10 minutes or so. So that's just some initial thoughts that I had about this. Yeah, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a little bit. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. Hear me out. Bear with me on this. And I I took some notes regarding this. And this has been something that I've been talking about recently with a lot of people. Where are we with biopics? Where are we with true-to-life stories? They're getting adapted a lot, right? Especially for TV. But we're at a weird point where a lot of it that we're getting on TV is bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. It is. And, and I think of a couple things, right? Like, uh, and I think maybe you were in this conversation, Mike. I can't remember. But Bohemian Rhapsody came out a couple years ago, and people loved it. It won Oscars. Yeah. But the yeah. real Queen fans hated it because of its inaccuracies. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, right, this goes back to, I mean, this is Hollywood. This goes back all the way, you know, but. But, but I would say, especially now, because the biopic, or biopic, however you want to say it, has gotten a little stale, right? A lot of them are coming out, and just people aren't watching because it has the same formula. Mm-hmm. So, so they're spicing stories up a little. But you're right. Um, it is Hollywood, because even The Godfather is based on some true people here and there, as we, you know, see in this, but we already knew that with the Sinatra connection. Right, right. But there are real people in it. And the other show I want to bring up that's concurrently running with this one came out a little before is winning time the show about the lakers on hbo oh okay that show super entertaining i think the acting is really good but i'm a big basketball fan and it's such bullshit what they're doing like they're making shit up that they don't have to because i believe Mm. that there's a real story there yeah but if i didn't know anything and i thought that was the story i probably would have a blast you know i probably would really enjoy myself Mm -hmm. so i bring all that up to say i know a fair amount about the making of The Godfather, but I don't know this stuff. Right. So I'm not offended because I don't know if it's real or not. God damn it, is this show fun and entertaining? It's not HBO. Just because it's on a subscription service, it's not that HBO quality. Mm-hmm. But who cares? I'm having a good time. <laughs> yeah, I will say my bottom line is I'm having fun. I'm aware that this isn't necessarily the truth or the way it goes down. Nowadays, there might be more of a... Not a responsibility per se, but like a level of talent that you should have a more accurate and entertaining biopic if possible, you know, and not have to resort to making shit up. I never read the book. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but to my money, Moneyball is probably one of the best kind of like, it's not even a biopic, you know, but it's like the telling of a real thing that happened or, you know what I'm saying? It's like um, an adaptation of a true story. That's sort of what they're trying to do here, but they're also trying to spin it in parallel to the godfather itself and the story that that is telling and they're twisting and bending things and drawing parallels and allusions and kind of blurring the line and i'm fine with that i mean this was probably all hearsay i think he said it was based off of someone's you know telling uh, some guy that was there like a fly on the wall perhaps or something i don't know i didn't really research the writing of this yet too much but I'm fine with what they're doing with it. You know, there's a lot of larger-than-life characters here. They're being portrayed in a very entertaining manner. It doesn't feel like they're slandering anybody, but it is kind of a a difficult water to tread when you want to be entertaining, be factual, but also, you know, have to fill in certain things that you don't know about either, right? Like connect the dots in a certain way, you know, and have to sort of make up information to do that. Yeah, so, you know, we'll see how it goes along the way, but I think it's fine the way that they're approaching this, right? Look, uh, sure, you know, I'm, I'm just having fun. I do not believe that, okay, so episode one, spoiler, ends in, like, a shootout, essentially. 
I don't know if that actually happened. I didn't do the research. That seems a little heavy. I'm sure there was mafia pressure, but were they trying to kill people? I don't know. I'm confused by the whole mafia subplot in this to begin with, so I can't wait to dive into that. But it's not necessarily the kind of point of view that I even have an issue with. You know, I think, you know, if they have to make shit up, that's fine. But some of the writing, some of like the dialogue here, some of it's rough, you know, like it's just so simplified and so on the nose. And there's a lot of like, you know, oh, I don't know if I can do it. And it's just like, well, write what you know. It just feels like too easy sometimes and that they're going a little too fast. But, you know, we'll see how it goes from now on. It's just the first episode. They covered a lot of ground. So we'll see. A lot of ground. One of the questions that I want to ask at the end of our coverage here is, did this need to be a 10-episode show? Could this have been a movie? Now, it's the hottest thing now is to make a miniseries, right? Nothing hotter than that. These streaming services want miniseries, so you go back. You know, they're better than movies because you're essentially watching 10 movies instead of one. I'm curious about that. They cover a lot here, but I was thinking in this first episode, a lot of what they cover could have just been mentioned in a line. Like, if they would have just said, oh, you're the guy from Hogan's Heroes? <laughs> that would have been enough, right? We got the pitch for Hogan's Heroes instead. Yeah. <laughs> Which, honestly, I like because I think that's <laughs> fun. But it's like, what does this have to do with the Godfather? Besides the fact that he did that. That's the thing. Is like That's what makes me wonder what they're actually trying to do with this show. If they want to be able to do a second season with a different movie at the same studio and carry over some of these characters. Like, Robert oh. Evans deserves his, own, deserves his own show. Like, that <laughs> Matthew Good is amazing. Like, that's a crossover character. Like, he could go on to do another show. It would be interesting if they went back and did the Rosemary's Baby production. You know, like, there's a lot of places to take this even if you do more Coppola stuff at a different studio or whatever like I just feel like this is sort of interesting fertile ground like Paramount sort of seems to have beaten all the other studios to a punch in a weird way where it's like let's tell the story of our studio like where else to do it but like on our own streaming network etc etc we have all these famous movies like let's go for it and you know kind of see what happens I'm, I'm sort of interested in seeing where that goes this is my guess right like and I have no information about this, but I'm assuming the people at Paramount Plus got in a room and said, we are, you know, starting our streaming service. We have Paramount properties. We have CBS properties. We have Nickelodeon properties. We have this, we have this, this, right? What can we reboot? What do we own? What can we use, right? And a lot of things have come out of that on Paramount Plus. Like they've rebooted shows like iCarly, right? Which is not my generation or definitely not your generation but it's a property they owned and they rebooted like like every streaming service right they were probably like all right we have the godfather no one's gonna let us remake the godfather let's tell the story of the godfather right i mean god i hope they don't remake the godfather <laughs> no <laughs> but you and i have talked on occasion about why not make a godfather show right like the godfather series and tell what was going to be, you know, the other parts of the saga that no one ever got to, right? Like the rest of America, whatever character you want to follow at any point in time, you know? So it's interesting that they decided to do the telling of The Godfather rather than continue it on, not reboot it, but kind of Star Wars it, right? Maybe soft reboot and maybe do the Sicilian, adapt more Puzo and integrate that into it. M Mike, I don't think they have, you know, the, the clout right now to do that because I think they would if they could. But when did that stop anybody? What's sacred these days, you know? Like, I'm happy that The Matrix came back. I'm happy all these series are trying to come back and see what's left in there no, but you know what's sacred honestly know. you know what's sacred the godfather is sacred it really is that's something that like <laughs> well, you don't cross yeah i mean honestly do you know anyone aside from the two of us that was glad to get two cuts of part three like <laughs> i hope there's I more people like mike because that's why we have a show <laughs> <laughs> it's true that's true yeah let's go over since this is the first episode let's go over the cast and some technical stuff right um, the show was cre right. created by Michael Tolkien. Have you heard of him? No. Is he related to the Tolkien? You know, the Hobbit guy? Is he... <laughs> no, I don't think so. He is related to Mel Tolkien, who is a famous comedian. I think that's his father, if I'm not mistaken. 
Okay. He was he was a big Hollywood guy back in the day, so perhaps that's what inspired him. Whoa, he wrote a movie we covered on High School Slumber Party, Gleaming the Cube. That's cool. Get out! <laughs> wow, okay. I like it more already. So he's a real famous screenwriter. He's directed at times, too, but he co-wrote Deep Impact. He co-wrote the 2004 Dawn of the Dead. Oh, he's uncredited for that one. The Player, though? That's a good one. Yeah. So I was going to say, The Player is his big thing because he wrote the novel and adapted it for screen. Gotcha. Oh, interesting. Hey, that comes up in... Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And some other stuff. So yeah, that's Michael Tolkien. I don't know if he's a showrunner, but he created it. Now, the cast. We get a lot of cameos... We'll go through them when we do each episode, but our main cast, of course, Miles Teller is the star. He's a very polarizing person in Hollywood. I've never really been a Miles Teller fan. When J.K. Simmons slapped him in that drumming movie, I was happy about it. (laughs) (laughs) I like that movie because I play the drums. and uh, (laughs) No, it's a good movie, but I know he's like, going to make a huge mark in a movie you'll cover soon, oh yeah like top gun maverick yeah yeah but you didn't like his mr fantastic you didn't think he was super oh, fantastic yeah, in fantastic four and yeah i never was a huge fan i like him in that show too young to die on amazon the nicholas one oh, yeah. reffin show i just really like that show a lot and and he's a main character in it that's a pretty heavy show but yeah he, here he is i think he's Okay, I, you know, I don't know anything about Al Ruddy. You know, I've never seen footage. I've never read interviews. So, you know, he could Yeah, be. I was going to ask if you're familiar with him. Not necessarily. Like, the only thing I really know about the story of the making of The Godfather is from the Robert Evans autobiography, The Kid Stays in the Picture. And he did an amazing... <laughs> like video version of it i also used to drive around this is how old i am used to drive around and listen to that book on tape in high school but there's also a a dvd like a movie documentary on it it's fantastic and he tells a bit of this story in it so i've when he's talking about like charlie bluto and these these guys like those names ring a bell like already but i wasn't Mm. aware of them you know firsthand so i knew the story from the francis perspective because obviously i'm a coppola fan but when the godfather god we got to start like getting these down but whatever edition came out it might have been called godfather legacy godfather saga one of those where it was a huge dvd set and the fourth dvd was special features plus like the family tree it was beautiful it was amazing oh, it was one of like the best dvds to, to ever come out gotta find but that told the story of the making more from the Francis Ford Coppola perspective and the Puzo perspective rather than the Albert Ruddy perspective. So we're getting Albert Ruddy's story. That's something that the critics have criticized. That's like, oh, this is only one person's point of view. Who cares? You know what I mean? This is, It's a fun story. And it's not. It's not just, I mean, he's probably going to be the main character, but it's not the only point of view. I mean, it's his point of view is definitely corrupted by everyone around him, <laughs> like especially Evans, and just like Hollywood is is certainly a character in this movie, in this show. So I, I don't know. I find him interesting. He's also a good audience surrogate. So you know, he knows nothing about the business. I know probably a little, you know, less than he does about it, and so it's fun to go through it behind his eyes you know yeah for sure and honestly so far i think miles teller is doing a really good job the show definitely has that tone of let's show the 70s and like crank up the silliness a bit but you know what mike we love that we often talk about 70s party movies you know yeah yeah and and the way i look at it is like they could have gone a more serious route like done a madman thing about it maybe you know, that show is just like way more serious at times than it is funny. But this is has a lot of funny stuff and it should be. It's really kind of poking fun at itself, at the industry. Like I'm surprised to see Paramount like say like we're in ninth place and all this stuff and like we're hemorrhaging money and like how bad the studio like it's kind of nice to see that side of it to be like it's not all roses and I don't know. It's just cool that they're not just saying like, oh, we're always number one and this and that and stuff. So. I don't know. I think there's a good energy behind it and it should be fun because it it is just like a crazy story, you know, just like the way things happen in Hollywood can be fun and funny. So why not 
crank that up and make it you know a good time while you're watching it a true showbiz comedy i love it so matthew good who i love plays robert evans bob evans so you know a little bit more about him than i do yeah i mean i i watched the documentary i knew he was a big time hollywood producer rosemary's baby uh, love story you know they mentioned him in this show as well they run through some of his credentials the godfather um he i guess was sort of touted as like a wunder kid you know like he was definitely one of the younger producers uh, at the time i think and at an age where it was mostly like a lot of the old guard was still hanging around making the decisions but he was an actor that it just kind of like worked his way up and could talk the talk and make deals and was smooth and you know just uh yeah, you see him in this show. Like that's pretty much what I believe he was <laughs> like. Like that's the image that I always saw. And as soon as Matthew Good stepped on the screen, I was like, he fucking nailed it. I'm a big Matthew Good fan. You know, he's been in, in a lot of cool stuff. Low key, I think it was on PBS, but I'm not sure what it was on in England. He had a show. What was it called? Damn it! It was a wine show. Ooh, Downton Abbey. No, just <laughs> just kidding. I knew him mostly as Ozymandias on Watchmen. He was in that. Yeah. I always got him confused with uh, Tom Hiddleston. Like, they could be brothers in something, I think. Yeah. I'm just looking up his IMDb. One of the first places I saw him is uh, Woody Allen. We're not supposed to say that name, but Woody Allen's uh, film Matchpoint. Oh, right. That's a great movie. Yeah. Can't say that, though. But he had a show in England that we kind of got here called The Wine Show. It was on PBS for a couple seasons with Matthew Reese from The Americans. And the two of them would just go around the world and drink wine. And it was lovely and delightful. Maybe Kyle will watch it one day, our, our foodie film's friend. But Robert Evans, I was reading uh, his Wikipedia page. What a, what a legendary career. It, it's just, like, insane. And also, like, what a legendary playboy. You know how many times he was he was married? Did you did you see? Don't look it up because I want no, you to guess. I can't. I can't remember. Four? <laughs> Four times? Six times he was married. There you go. Including Ali McGraw. Including Ali McGraw from Love Story we see here. Including Phyllis George, who was a Miss America at one point. Like, the guy. The guy. Yeah. The way they depict him here seems to be pretty accurate. So according to his Wikipedia page, he had a great, great career until the 80s when he pleaded guilty for cocaine trafficking but also had two huge financial flops that the studios were like, dude, Uh they pulled control from him for a little bit. Okay. What two films? Can you guess? Let me see here. Don't look it up. I'm not, I know. I'm just looking at some of his films, but it's the eighties. You said, well, Popeye. Well, well, one is, it wasn't Popeye, but it (laughs) was. One is in the eighties and one's technically the nineties, but Mm, it was maybe the eighties. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah, enlighten me. Let me know what's up. Well, one is super relevant to us because it's The Cotton Club. Oh, okay. Another Coppola movie, right? Yeah. Another Coppola that. movie, yep, yep. And, and that practically ruined him. They gave him a second oh, chance. And we'll I, talk to The Cotton I, Club when we cover it. <laughs> I think I know, is the other one The Two Jakes? Yes, and the other one, they gave him a second chance to do The Two Jakes, <laughs> which is the sequel to, Ch- <laughs> to Chinatown, which I, I didn't even know that existed. I did. I've never seen it, but I knew, and it's like, you know, <laughs> we tried to recapture the magic of Chinatown. What were we thinking? You know? <laughs> Should have just handed him a badge. Anyway, that's crazy. You got Jack back, but... That wasn't the tagline. The tagline should have been Jack's back, but... Have you ever seen the roast of... Who is the roast of? I cannot remember who the roast of, but Bill Hader does this character called called the like the mayor of Hollywood. Or yeah, the yeah. Of Hollywood. Yeah. His voice is the same. Yeah, it's this, probably you know? it's based like on old it. Hollywood. It's probably, probably based on Evans like... at this point. He had a cartoon on Comedy Central called uh, named after him. I can't remember what that was called, but you oh, know, really, I didn't realize that. He's yeah, he was around up until the end. You know, he was working because he had to or wanted to, um, for better or worse. But I remember that show being really funny, and I'm pretty sure he provided the voice for it. So I don't know. Wow, that's crazy. I only recently passed in 2019. Like I feel like of, of a healthy old age. I forgot what it was. What was it? 89. Yeah, pretty good. He lived a very, a very 
very full life. And the Matthew Good character here, it's one of the most fun things to watch in this show. So Juno Temple plays Beth McCart. I was wondering if this was a real character. Okay. So I looked her up, and Beth McCart was Ruddy's actual secretary. She had a similar look and feel, so I actually was surprised by that. I know it was such a male-dominated world, and these shows, and I'm not criticizing them for it, by the way, but a lot of times these shows will bring about more female characters because they really have to and should in today's day and age. And yeah. I, I thought this might be an invention, but apparently she was a real woman, so that's awesome. That's great, and it's great that, you know, I guess she's getting her part of the story told as well. I kind of appreciated this character because I just really like the attitude of it and the the idea of someone who also is breaking into the industry that's basically what Al Ruddy's doing he's breaking into the industry through friends and opportunities and she comes in and seizes an opportunity as well and she's done her homework you know like he really ends up needing her she puts herself in a position where it's like a problem to get rid of her there's that fun scene of the studio tour where she's talking about like hallowed ground and this and that and she's like feeding him names and making sure you know this and this is the time this yeah which is great yeah this is a fun character i liked it so uh, it's cool to know that uh actually existed in some form and and i say male dominated and that's not to mean uh, that it was only men behind the scenes there was a lot of women behind the scenes it's just they just didn't get recognized so i guess my point was i was really hoping that this was a real person because i wanted someone to be recognized here and i'm yeah. happy that it was and juno temple i love juno temple ted lasso uh, what's that show she had on hbo vinyl she was in oh right yeah mm-hmm. a ton of stuff she's she's one of my favorite actors going out there today i think she's amazing in ted lasso and again happy Happy to see her here. I think she's doing an amazing job. So props to Juno Temple. So far, so good with this cast, right? But let's get to our main man, Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. Oh, my God. I loved seeing him here. (laughs) We don't get enough in the first episode, but he's just so fucking fun. Sorry for cursing, but he's so fun here. Uh, Yeah, Dan Fogler nails Francis. I mean, God knows there's enough footage to study, but it's remarkable... The costuming, the mannerisms, just like he even does a little bit of, uh, I, I would say it's not even a voice. It's more like Francis's temperament. If you've watched a lot of his stuff, if you've watched him a lot and you've listened to audio commentaries, you can kind of see like, oh, yeah, he has the the flow of his voice and, and all of that kind of stuff going on. And I thought it was just terrific the way he carried himself. You know, I, I was just like, I'm watching Francis. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, it feels like the Francis I always wanted to see <laughs> honestly just feels like that and dan, dan fogler is amazing I, I think i mentioned on the last episode that the first time i saw him was actually on broadway in the 25th annual putnam county spelling bee which is an amazing amazing play i hope they revive that somewhere but i mean balls of fury fantastic beasts i think a lot of people will recognize him from and he's amazing in that and he's he's so good as Francis. Yeah, I agree. I can't wait till we get more of him. I was worried. We, I'm not worried, but I was like, I'm not even sure we're going to get him at all on this, you know, or if we do, it'll probably end on like, get me Francis Ford Coppola and then the credits, you know, <laughs> some picturing something like that, uh, especially the way this show had started where it was just like so far away from the Godfather, you know, you know, in a way, you know, it isn't, it isn't, but like, you know, the Godfather isn't even written. The book isn't written when the movie starts. So, like, I was surprised even about that. Yeah, the first episode takes place over many years. And it's, again, like, I don't know how necessary it was. But we do get introduced to these characters quite successfully, I think. Yeah. And, and the second really, like, person I was looking forward to seeing is Mario Puzo, who's so fundamental in The Godfather. He wrote the book. He's pre- played by Patrick Gallo here. And, like... How Puzo and Coppola come together <laughs> at the end, and just like the chemistry those two actors have, which I think mirrors the chemistry that Coppola and Puzo ended up having. Because if you watch the behind the scenes of The Godfather, Coppola talks with, about Puzo in such reverence and how they work together, and that's something I was looking forward to seeing in this show, so I hope we see more of that. Yeah, I don't know that I know this actor from anything really did you guys no watch i wasn't a- familiar with him did you watch american wedding over on uh, slumber party he was in that apparently uh he seems to have salesman he well he seems to have a, a bunch of 
comedic credits which is cool and all but yeah like again i feel like he pretty much nailed francis i have a little more issue i think with like the sitcom going on with francis with i'm not francis i'm sorry uh puzo i have a, a bit more problem going with what's going on with like the situation between puzo and his wife while he's trying to like figure out the godfather and all this kind of, i'm not quite sold on you know, all of that. But I do think his portrayal is cool. I love his interaction with Sinatra. I think that's like the key moment for me in the whole show. <laughs> uh, and yeah, definitely that scene in the kitchen between him and Francis when they're making the sauce and they're like, this should be in the movie, this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, the the cast has good chemistry, If I think. I, I agree, Mike, and I will agree with you as much as I like the Pusa thing. I didn't need the Oh, what should I write about? I'll write about The Godfather. Dude, okay, like it is, five it, scenes of it. It is just bad. I mean, like, look, I'm no good writer, okay? But, like, I watch a lot of stuff, and I think I could tell. And, like, it was just so clunky. And she's like, you know, fuck art. Write The Godfather. <laughs> or whatever, how she said. You know, it just came across as just, like... One night we had this conversation, and uh, my wife suggested I write the, about the mob, and and I was like, well, it can't, it's got to be about family, and it all came, you know, it just all came together, and uh, I, I much would have rather skipped over a little of, of that kind of stuff and just gotten to Puzo, sort of when he had already become famous or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I I didn't need all that, but we'll see how the show develops with it. Again, I have a feeling that this is probably. I don't know if it could have been feature-length movie. We'll assess that at the end. But I have a feeling this probably could have been five episodes, and nothing is five episodes these days. So, so yeah. Paramount's probably like, make it ten episodes. Yeah. You can't do it five. <laughs> the kids said ten episodes. No, no one sells five episodes. Make them an offer of ten episodes. <laughs> yeah, even Disney Plus is like, we got to squeeze out at least six, or else they're going to riot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, quickly, I'll mention some other characters because of yeah, the big yeah. actors here. There's a couple. Burn Gorman plays Charlie Bloodorn, Bloodorn, Bloodorn. Yeah, head of studio. Yeah, I-, I was familiar with this guy. He's more so than head of studio. He's president of Gulf Western, and I think that's an important distinction. Gulf Western was a conglomerate of conglomerates mm-hmm. at the time, right? Yeah, like they made industrial products they made a lot of just stuff stuff yeah. <laughs> like, like you know where stuff comes from that's <laughs> so he's an austrian man he just has this conglomerate that happens to own this studio i happen to have read a lot about gulf western and this guy because like i'm a dominican right and dominican american and um there's this place called casa de campo in Dominican Republic, which I've been, it's a resort, right? But it was a resort that he owned. Oh. And a lot of movies were shot there. So it's a resort, but it, he also bought it to shoot movies, if that, if that makes sense. So it could be like a tax write-off of some kind? Or like <laughs> Maybe, but for, for example, a <laughs> lot of river smart. shots. Yeah. We'll talk about this when we do Apocalypse Now, the many versions. But a lot of river shots in Apocalypse Now are filmed on his campus essentially in dominican republic which again, okay. you can visit now i kayaked it it's awesome wow wow it's like part of a it's like a studio it's like a lot yeah essentially a stage or something <laughs> they don't own it anymore i don't believe so but like there's a big big amphitheater there five thousand people and famously in 1982 he brought frank frank sinatra to play there and one of frank sinatra's greatest concerts that was filmed and put out by paramount was film there, right? So, like, this is the only way I know him. And we'll talk about this this more, too, because Godfather 2 shot in Dominican Republic as Cuba. Right, right. So, right. so we'll get back to this. So my knowledge of him was just from going to this resort and looking shit up, because that's what I do, and also just doing my research on Godfather and Godfather 2 for my own personal use. So I was happy to see someone from the studio that I knew. I didn't know Colin Hanks' character. By the way, mm-hmm. you're a Hanks guy. This yeah. is Colin. Yeah, uh- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looking looking just like Tom these days. It's like the only thing that threw me was the voice. I didn't expect such a deep voice to come out of a Hanks. You know? <laughs> and he plays uh, like a the assistant to Charles. Yeah, Lee-Gorn. he seems to be the studio liaison 
of the Gulf Western wing, you know, Charlie dispatches him to Hollywood to get Evans, you know, to report back what's everything doing, how's everything going, and to remind him, you know, you're slipping from eighth to ninth place now. And yeah, I wasn't uh, entirely familiar with this guy as a, as a person beforehand, but I'm glad to see Colin Hanks is here. And, you know, I think he does a good job with this guy. Yeah, I mean... I like Colin Hanks. I've liked him since a movie I covered on High School Slumber Party, my high school film podcast. Check it out. Um, Orange County with Jack Black. He was in that, so I've always liked Colin Hanks since then. And uh, Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, okay. I, I think we've both <laughs> covered Gio- Giovanni Ribisi films. Uh, he plays Joe Colombo, real mob boss. We don't quite know what the F this is yet. Wait. <laughs> what? What the fuck is this? Like... Not only that, what is Giovanni Ribisi doing? This is not good, Brian. This is not... I do not (laughs) like this. I don't like this. I don't like how it's like, this is actually where all the Godfather came from. Look, like, Joe Colombo once went to a bathroom and had a gun, and there was one of those chain things, just like in the Godfather. Like, I don't like this very much. I'm worried about this part of the show probably because it's not hollywood you know it's not about the business i would be so satisfied if it was just a hollywood show and and what is rabisi doing what is this like we gotta do something about this book uh frank sinatra doesn't like (laughs) the way the book says he is i'm like what is he doing man beautiful intro shot of the festival but from then on i'm like kill this noise I don't know. Let me put it this way. I think the studio, again, just to keep doing studio voices, was just like, all right, it's a good story, but make it 10 episodes and, and give me some shooting in here. Put the mafia in it. No, you know? But it's the Godfather. There's already. <laughs> it's about. <laughs> the point is, it's not that stuff. We've had enough of that stuff. Like, why are you injecting the boring gangster stuff back into something about the godfather that's just the way i feel from the first episode the way that it that it's playing out it might be awesome later but i'm with you mike look i'm not a wise guy i'm not i'm not in the mob i don't have mafia connections that i know about but i always figured that the mafia had bigger fish to fry this movie should not be made you know like i mean that (laughs) seems a little heavy yeah, and that that was what kind of set The Godfather apart from reality, right? Was the concept that they would waste their time by sending an enforcer to Hollywood and cutting the head off of their prized horse and putting it in bed with the... You know, like, all of that kind of stuff, or, like, shooting a producer to get a part or whatever. Like, that, to me, was, like, the fantasy stuff. It's like, I don't want to know that, that that was really based on something, if it was, or whatever, you but know? E- I don't but know. even if it is, what percentage of The Godfather is that? Yeah. It's about family. And that's what the whole <laughs> show is talking about when they're referencing The Godfather and trying to get to the core. They're like, we don't want to do it like every other gangster movie. you got to find another angle. So what is their angle with this show and how they're using the mob and the way they're portraying it in this whole storyline like it's just very confusing right now my understanding of the mafia comes from the godfather and all these movies right and and tv shows and stuff sopranos i'll take sopranos for example because it's a show i know a decent amount about the italian american not at large community but like certain organizations like unico and stuff like that they were upset at the sopranos for portraying italian american culture poorly as an Italian-American, Mike, you can speak more to this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, yeah. I, I was fine with The Sopranos. <laughs> but at the same time, if you watch The Sopranos, the reverence in that show that they have for The Godfather is amazing. They love yeah, The yeah, Godfather yeah. in the show. I think they watch it on VHS and then DVD, maybe even Blu-ray. And look, I, I don't want to be that guy who says, I got plenty of Italian friends. I mean, I do. Most of my friends are Italian. But... That doesn't make me Italian, but I know so many Italian people who love The Sopranos and love The Godfather and love all that. I'm sure at the time the mafia was like, we don't want to be portrayed that way because I get it. Every single Italian-American story at the time, and honestly, largely, if I tell you, name me Italian-American movies or movies that depict Italian-Americans, 90% of them are mafia movies. That's crime. I get why they would be upset. 
are they going to be killing people or trying to kill people for 10 episodes here? That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, like, no, yeah. I kind of want to see this movie be made, not that. Imagine if it's some kind of like Tarantino-esque alt history where like they shoot Coppola in the third episode <laughs> and he dies and like, it doesn't happen. And like... Who's going to direct the movie? Albert, Albert, you, Ruddy, you direct it. <laughs> yeah, you might as well write it and direct it. What the hell? Just take over the whole movie. No, but I am also just concerned because... You would think that The Godfather is a refreshing point of view into, you know, the mafia family and to be like, no, it's not just all about the crime. Like, that's kind of like a job. And the whole point is like, these are people like other people and like they have children and it's a family and they have a history and a lineage to, to you know, to just as much a right as anyone for their family to go and do whatever they want. If Michael wants to become a senator or whatever, this and that. So... The Godfather ended up sort of portraying the mafia in a better light than maybe another studio might have taken and made it just more of a traditional gangster film and amped up all of the violent stuff like even more or done a lesser job with it. You know what I'm kind of getting at? And so like this comes out and the mafia reads it at the time and I don't know what they have to be necessarily upset about unless they're upset about maybe looking soft to be like this Don is soft and we're not so like it was just a little confusing from that aspect but you know we'll see where it goes Uh, it's not going to ruin the show I'm having too much fun in Hollywood for this New York stuff to drag me down whoa whoa don't diss New York but you're right it's so like, I'm trying to go through the history, because obviously, again, Joe Colombo, real guy. These are real mafia happenings. It just right now feels like a separate movie. And as we watch more episodes and we put more episodes out, and bear with us, we might be late to this. But, Mike, I told you this off air. I feel like this is going to be a slow burn show. I don't think this is going to be a show that people are like, oh, shit, did you see the first three episodes? It was Agatha all along. Like, that's not <laughs> what we're getting with here. But I do think that people will eventually check this out because it is about The Godfather. The Godfather's awesome. And if, if you're people like you and I, Mike, you're looking for more Godfather content, always. I think that's the bottom line. Like, if you're a fan of anything and something more of that comes out, regardless of your feelings, you're still going to check it out, right? Like, even, you know, there's people who are like, oh, no more Star Wars, but then the Star Wars comes out and they still watch the Star Wars, you know, and if it's a good one, they like it, you know, and it might not all be good, but anything sort of surrounding something you like, I think like you're more than likely to check out. So like, yeah, as they say in the show, it's a cultural phenomenon, baby, you know, it's going to be huge, big picture of Rosemary's baby, but bigger. Rosemary's baby. I love it. I yeah. Love it. Yeah. Uh, love story. The chick's going to die at the end, man. Come on. It's never, <laughs> it's never been done before. So like it was a cultural phenomenon. So anybody who has like a, an interest in that is going to want to at least, you know, check out some of this and see like what the behind the scenes were and getting it put together. Like who who's going to play Pacino? That's what I want to see. Pacino. De Niro. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Do you think they get Pacino and then they de-age him with like Marvel no, CGI? They don't, <laughs> they don't have that budget. Pacino has it in the voice. <laughs> oh, I got, okay. I see it now. Actually, it was someone on the IMDb. Anthony Ippolito is the person playing Pacino. Let me look it up quick. Who that yeah, he's, he's got a Pacino vibe. He's like a younger dude. Good looking guy. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, I'll show you. Uh, that's your Pacino? <laughs> At this point, he's kind of talking like this. It's much easier to do uh, later Pacino. Old man Pacino. Yeah, yeah later Pacino. Don Pacino. That was the whole thing. Like, for a long time, we kind of had like the helio, but then he, then he got down like here. I, I sent you it via our Facebook Messenger, which is a picture of this dude. And I'm like, okay. I don't know if he's going to have a lot of lines. They definitely just like cast it because he's like looks like a young Pacino with the nose and stuff. Yeah, you know what was surprising in this? We have uh, Robert Redford. Yeah, Bob Redford. Yeah, but that was weird. You know, we got Robert Redford. Who else did we get? By the way, by the way, Mike, I saw this the other day. We haven't gotten it yet, but I got so excited and I was going to save it for you. Did you see who's playing Luca Brasi in, in the show? Oh, yes, I did. Is that Lou Ferrigno? Lou Ferrigno will be playing Luca Brasi. I can't wait for that. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. You know, this, this Pacino kid has a bit of a Timothy Chalamet thing going for him, too. You know, I, I don't know. I could see this. It's not bad. This Anthony Ippolito. 
we got an Allie McGraw. We got an Ann Margaret. Uh, we got a Liz Taylor. Like, they're dropping stars like flies in this thing. Stars like flies. <laughs> so, okay. The first episode. What did you think yeah. just overall? This episode, were there scenes you particularly wanted to talk about? I know we've done more background oh, yeah. stuff. And, got, guys, every episode's not going to be this long. Yeah, because we're not going to talk about the cast. Yeah, every episode. We won't be rehashing the cast. Oh, Kirk Acevedo's coming up. I love him from stuff. I'm looking forward to him showing up. Uh, yeah, so I had one scene in particular I thought was my favorite scene. But all in all, I like I said, I thought this was a lot of fun. Like, um, I think the Al Reddy character was a good introduction. You know, the Rand Corporation, how more boring can you get when you're talking about like <laughs> the 70s and shit? Like, it's cool to see Hollywood through his eyes of this outsider. Like, he's a really smart guy, so he's able to navigate that world really well. I like how he buddies up with that actor and they do the pitch meeting and they sell Hogan's Heroes. That was a lot of fun. It's fun, but again, why is it here? Well, this is what I like, though. They're doing a lot of setup. They're setting up these characters. It's like, yeah, who is already? Why is he important? Why is he now considered, like, the premier low-budget producer at Paramount? It's because, well, he was able to do this move from television to movies. He did this thing with Robert Redford and, like, impressed his boss, right? That deal, even though the movie bombed, he still made that happen. He just shows, like, initiative that he's a guy who gets shit done. He produces, you know? He's a producer. So down the line, you know, that's going to come into play. His ass is going to be on the line. He's going to lose it all. There was an interesting, even heavy-handed, but an interesting part of this when... The movie bombs with Redford and he's like, I got to get home. And his girlfriend's like, what's really bothering you? And he's like, you know, I never felt that I would ever fail at anything or whatever. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, basically. Like, what am I doing here? Like, I thought that was interesting to show a little bit of that. Um, I don't know. You know, uh, the same with Robert Evans. If you don't know Robert Evans, he's a very integral player in this movie. You're going to see like another whole side of him down the line with him trying to deal with Coppola and trying to get, oh my god, he tries to get uh, Henry Kissinger to come to the premiere. Like, that's gonna be insane. Like, the guy is on a coke-fueled, you know, ride to the sky (laughs) at this point. Like, he's just, like, out of control. So, there's all these factors that are gonna come into play, I feel, that you have to build up their character, set up all this stuff, you know, front load a, a bunch of things. So, that's just the way I thought about it. So I enjoyed a lot of the stuff, but again, my big question is going to be, do we need all this? Ultimately, I believe I'm going to say yes, because I love The Godfather and I love all this extra stuff. I I hope we learn things that we didn't know that are true, that are not just, the mafia's out to get them. Well, what about like Puzo trying to stab Sinatra with a fork at the restaurant? I don't know if that story's (laughs) true. But that's... But that's a fun moment, and I'm not going to be approaching this show as about the God, the making of The Godfather anymore so much as a show about Paramount Studios, I think, that are trying to save their ass by pulling off a miracle and making a film that'll save the studio. And that st- film happens to be The Godfather. So I think that's my perspective moving forward. So I looked it up, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Uh, The two men did not get into a physical altercation, but Sinatra was as pissed as he was on the show. So, like, there wasn't, like, a fight like that, but he said, if I meet him, essentially, that's going to happen. So, interesting, a little creative license there. So, my favorite moment in the whole show so far was when... Al Ruddy goes to see Planet of the Apes. I was going to say, Mike, you got one of your favorite movies here. That was definitely, like, a great moment. Like, that actually happened in Mad Men, too, where he took his son to see Planet of the Apes. But I loved that, to see the reaction of the crowd and, like, to feel like, oh, man, I wish I could have been there. And even, again, like, I don't feel like this is good writing, the scene after that where him and his girlfriend just like sit in the movie theater until it empties and he gives that big speech about like 
Forget television, movies. Movies is where it's at. And it's like, yeah, no shit, buddy. Like, what? You've never, <laughs> you've never seen a movie before? I was like, what is this sequence? Like, what? Like, I love the idea that he had an epiphany while he was watching Planet of the Apes. But, you know, it's like what you never thought to make a movie before you never felt like you had the ability to like make a movie you have this fucking hit tv show like it's a logical next step you know so i loved it and hated it like all at the same time and i think that that may be my thesis on the show is like why i'm having so much fun this doesn't feel like a high level show this doesn't feel like a no 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 sophisticated <laughs> show like i think of the opposite show to this to me is westworld where it's just like there's too much studying you need to do that you just yeah. kind of give up because you're like, I'm not going to watch the show seven times to figure it you out. You know what you know? this is? This is True Blood compared to Westworld. Oh, it's closer to True Blood. For yeah, sure. yeah. Even though True Blood was critically acclaimed, everyone loved it, and this has not been critically acclaimed. So if you go on Rotten Tomatoes, I don't say this on my show, High School Slumber Party, check it out. But I don't say this on High School <laughs> Slumber Party. But like, usually a movie will have a consensus that Rotten Tomatoes will make up that will describe how people are feeling about it. And this was Rotten Tomatoes' consensus. Overstuffed with unnecessary subplots and cloying winks at showbiz history, this is an offer you can refuse. Oh my god! <laughs> oh but my you know god. what? That that feels like they're not wrong. They're not wrong. Well, it does have a lot of that. I want to watch the series. I'm having fun, but it has a lot of like showbiz fun. But you know what? I think that is like like you and I both said this. This is a fun show. Is yeah. it a great show? No. It's a fun show. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to watch more episodes. Brian, okay, so here's here's the way I'm looking at it. What parts of the show am I enjoying? The making of stuff, you know? And it's light, and it's Hollywood, and, you know, it's fun. It's, like, it's loose. It, there's not a lot of stakes going on, and it's, and it's fun. We're making movies, you know? And it's a process, and I'm sure things are going to fall apart, and it's going to be dramatic, but it's also going to be fun. Now, look at the other part of the show that I don't like, and it's when they're taking it dead seriously, and it's that stuff in New York with the mafia, with the real mafia, and it's like, I can't take it seriously. Like, I just can't. Like, they, I don't know what it is. Like, if they did some, maybe something funny there to kind of counterbalance all of that drama, but I think that's the issue, is like, it's just an unbalanced show right now, the way it is... Uh, you know, I think it, I think it needs to lean into more of that comedy stuff. You know, you can't. Why tell this story more seriously? You know, like it's just have fun with it. You know, I would much rather have fun with it than watch like a beat by beat, actual telling, you know, strict interpretation of the way it went down. All right, like it's not a documentary. I have a theory about why at least they released the three episodes you know, from the jump instead of just one. Mm -hmm. Well, one, they put this one for free, so they obviously want you to buy the, a subscription. But two, I think that they knew that people were going to have some of the issues that they had today, uh, that we're discussing today. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, yeah. Maybe episode two and three, which we'll talk about, probably do a better job of clarifying. As much as I like the show... And I don't think this was a pilot. I think they shot everything together, if I'm reading correctly. Oh, interesting. But this does not feel like that strong of a pilot. Like, you kind of know when it's a pilot, right? When they, like, kind of condense everything and they make, you know, they make you want to invest more in something. This feels like more that they gave the whole order for the show front to back and they're trying to tell their story. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I'm all in at this point. Well, obviously, we're podcasting about it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next episodes, and I'm with you, Mike. I'm looking forward to more the showbiz aspects of things rather than... we. Also, we know the ending. We know that Francis Ford Coppola doesn't get shot. We know that the producers don't get shot. We know the movie gets uh. made. So the stakes are a little bit lower for me when it comes to the mafia because I know that that's not what this is about. And the end of the day, we're like, hey, we kind of like the movie, you know? Like, it's going to be something along those lines. <laughs> because what what else are they going to say or do? Oh, uh, yeah. The scene is going to be when uh, Giovanni Ribisi meets Francis Ford Coppola and he's like, oh, I don't want you to make this movie. I don't like it. And then Francis Ford Coppola is like, what if I base Don Corleone off of you? And then he's like, all right, you can make the movie then. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
but um, it, yeah, it is. I didn't think about them releasing three episodes. Like, it's funny. Like, I always give comics three issues when I'm starting a new run on something like that, right? And like, I feel like three for me is always the magic number. You know, third time's a charm. Ooh. But that's a good, good little plug. amount to really let someone know especially someone like me i think to be like if i'm in or i'm out for real you know so i'll let you know after the third episode you know of course i gotta have to keep watching but i'll let you know <laughs> if, like i'm gonna want to keep watching i guess is what i'm getting at. but so far i'm interested to check out where this is going as far as a feeling like a pilot yeah um i don't know i feel like it mostly it's hard to tell these days with all these cable and streaming shows right because like they know that they're already going to do a certain amount of episodes or they're going to do a whole season or they're not you know so a lot of them aren't being sold to make more episodes right so i guess they're just the pilot is sort of going away a little bit i've noticed that a lot more when i watch shows on like hbo max things like that you know for sure. So I'm not really too concerned or thinking about it in that way. I thought it was a well-paced episode. I'll just say that. You know, I thought it was paced really well. I thought it did a good job of introducing the main players. And now uh, I want to see where they're going. Honestly, I am in agreement with you. And I'm glad you brought up that whole pilot thing. I have a theory. I'm throwing a lot of theories out there. I think in 50 years, 100 years, when they're studying TV, that they will say that whatever year we're in, or they'll probably put the pandemic as the apex like early pandemic 2020 <laughs> so we're starting over it's like post-pandemic television year zero kind of thing. i think we're exiting one of the golden ages of television because of the over proliferation of streaming services how many shows they're putting out and yeah, now yeah. not all of them are like of cream of the crop quality we're not watching the wire here and we understand that you know like it's not Right, right. To that level. But that's okay, right? Like, you know I'm a sitcom junkie. Yeah. How many crappy but good sitcoms did we have in the 70s and 80s? Like, look, some yeah. are amazing, but some are just popcorn. And to me, this is closer to popcorn than art. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for it. I'm okay with that. Not everything yeah. has to be high-level shit. Ironically, yeah. The Godfather is amazing, right? It's one of the greatest movies of all time. This is not going to be one of the greatest shows of all time. But will I have fun watching it? I think so. Yeah, yeah, you know, this isn't the show that I was talking about earlier that I was expecting them to make, which is more Godfather. Like, that's the show you take seriously. This isn't Sopranos. This isn't The Wire. I don't want a telling of The Godfather done in The Wire. The characters don't necessitate that type of story, you know? Like, Robert Evans is not running around with a gun yet paranoid out of his mind <laughs> or you know what i'm t- talking about like it's just a different industry like I, I don't know there's a whole different tone going on here and i think it's the right one to tell this story you know the godfather is a serious movie let's have the making of the godfather be you know more light lighter than that you know a lighthearted affair i'm in complete agreement so every episode i want to talk about what our favorite scene is um you already kind of mentioned your favorite scene which is seeing Planet of the Apes? Yeah. Or, or did you have another one? I um, I mean, oh, yeah, there's there's one more. We got to talk about the scene when they introduce Coppola in the edit suite real quick. Yes. Okay, so I have two favorite scenes here. Before the Coppola thing, my favorite scene is when they visit Puzo at the house that they got him in Hollywood. And I don't know. If oh. <laughs> but he's like written one line and he's like, I stare at the, I forget what he says. He's like, I stare at the page and it's laughing at me. Yep. yep. You know, because he says he could write it in three days and, and it's such bullshit. And he's in the pool just eating like pasta in a bowl because his wife is like, don't let him be. Now she doesn't have that voice. I'm doing like the fucking Jack and Jill voice, but she's like, don't let <laughs> cops or whatever. And, and he's just like eating the bowl of pasta in the pool and he's like I, you know he's like i can't write it and that's when they get the idea to like let's see who to find and Francis Ford coppola's name is dropped um so that was the one scene but two yes when we finally get to meet coppola in the editing suite and he's like i'm not doing the godfather because i'm italian american blah 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 and eventually he's convinced yeah yeah that was yeah, fun yeah. but mike you, you you caught something in the background that was pretty awesome i called it last episode where i said i wonder Who's going to play George Lucas? And I don't know who played him, but he definitely showed up in this episode. They didn't call him out by name, but that was someone portraying George Lucas. You know, that was definitely the look of him. And I was wondering what they were 
editing if it was Star Wars because he goes and he sits down at a table and next to him is a woman who I would assume is Marsha Lucas. They're in an edit suite. I know she, she cut Star Wars. Like, she edit that movie together, basically, like, save that film in the edit suite. I know that she was also involved in a lot of Francis's stuff. Like, she cut a lot of films with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that George later was involved in assembling the hospital sequence for Godfather. He was trying to find like the ends of reels with hallways and things like that, that they could piece together that sequence. So I know that they worked together and spent a lot of time in the edit suite back in that day. Man, it was just really funny when he showed up and I just started laughing my ass off. <laughs> yeah, it's a blink if you miss it kind of moment. Like I, I thought I saw it the first time and then I watched it the second time and I didn't even notice it. But I, I think you're right, and I hope we get more George Lucas. But I, I, I doubt it. I think that's for the diehards. But you know what? This this whole show is fan service. Give me more fan service. I don't care at this point. Yeah, I'd rather they lean into it than kind of dance around it, I guess. You know, because that's the deal. You know, you're in a situation where there's a lot of interesting and big personalities. So why not play with that? Uh, I learned that. Coppola was in director jail, too, and that's kind of, according to the show, why he agreed to this. Yeah, I uh, I wasn't sure what for exactly, but he didn't exactly have a string of directorial hits. I know they said that he had uh, written Patton by this point, or at least taken a, a draft. Yeah, apparently the rub we get from the show is that he's a great writer, people love him as a writer, but every time he directs, it's not a hit yet, you know? We right. know he'll get a huge hit with The Godfather, but is the sequel The Godfather 2? Do we eventually get Godfather 3, the <laughs> offer? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's a possibility. I mean, that has one of the greatest like movie backgrounds of all time, The Godfather 3. Yeah. The offer to come back. Yeah, I would love to see that. I feel like that would have more... Like, part two doesn't feel like there was much drama. You know, it's like, okay, let's make part two. Uh, but coming back to make <laughs> part three, on the other hand, just seems like, okay, we're strap it on get the sherpas because we're climbing this mountain again <laughs> oh man so honestly i know a lot of people are not feeling this but i i'm excited for the next couple episodes we're going to get we're going to try to give them to you as fast as possible as fast as our editing skills go but you know we have a lot to edit unfortunately yeah, Mike, anything else you want to say about the offer? I'm looking forward to watching the next episode. This is just drastically different than what I was expecting. Way more fun. Not to say that I love it all. Not to say it's all good even, but I'm I'm having fun. I'm liking what they're giving me. I'm loving the, the Robert Evans stuff. Uh, I like stuff about the process. And yeah, I like The Godfather. So I think uh, I think this is starting off pretty fun. So the episode ends... In a kind of jarring way, like everything's like, oh, it's great, we're going to make the Godfather, we've got a director, whatever. Yeah. And then they get shot at in the car, Juno Temple and Miles Teller, their characters, and they're not dead, obviously. Which is, again, ruins the suspense for me, because I know that it's not like Ned Stark dying in Game of Thrones, spoiler alert. <laughs> like, we know they're not dead, so I don't really care that much, but they're shot at the mob, and we'll find out in the next episode what that means. Right. Yeah. Did you like the ending? Uh, I was surprised by it. I thought they should have just ended in the kitchen with Coppola and and Puzo. That was a really fun scene. And then we get oh, this... Oh, that, that's a great scene. Honestly, yeah. like, if the foodie films man Kyle Reinfried was here, that would be his favorite scene. Like, this has got to be in the movie, how you cook pasta. <laughs> <laughs> but then we go back to Giovanni Ribisi, and he's like... Frank Sinatra sent me this wreath. What am I supposed to do with this? And they're like, it means he wants you to kill the movie. Like, just even there, just end it there. But, I mean, yeah, why do we have to go and do the whole, like, mock hit or whatever they're trying to do with that? I love the idea here that, first of all, Sinatra is the bad guy. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And I, I forgot to mention it, but it's in my notes. The only person who plays a better Sinatra as the bad guy is Joe Piscopo in SNL. Not that he's a <laughs> bad guy in that, but you know he's more like yeah, yeah, yeah. asshole Sinatra versus like beloved Sinatra. Um, yeah, <laughs> I wish they got Piscopo for this. Is that what's that's what's happening here? Like Sinatra's the true Don. <laughs> that's hilarious, you know. Yeah, it's like because why would the mob do what Sinatra? I mean, it's just so weird. 
But I bring it up because, like, Sinatra's like, I'm not like that character at all. Yet I'm going to talk to a mob guy and get you killed, which is yeah. exactly with the kind of what happens do. in The Godfather. It's like, oh. That's what I'm Johnny saying. Hunting. Yeah, they're, they're trying to, maybe some of the fiction they're developing is to parallel the story to The Godfather more. You know, merge those, mm. blur those lines even more to be like, look, I it's actually the same thing. one heart. That's the Johnny Fontaine song in the movie. <laughs> oh, I can't wait Excellent. to talk to the Godfather. I can't wait to talk to the Godfather. But I hope you guys enjoyed us talking about the offer. Please subscribe to this show. Please uh, stay on our feed. We don't have an actual day we're releasing yet because, honestly, we're just going to edit and release, edit and release. But hopefully you're listening. Hopefully you're watching the offer. And hopefully you'll tune in after we finish the offer because we'll cover the Godfather and then we'll start covering... Some other Coppola stuff. I know you guys are waiting for Jack and the Cotton Club out there. I know that's what you're most excited (laughs) about. (laughs) But, yeah, I really can't wait. So uh, you can check me out on my other show, my main project, at least for now and until this blows up, which is High School Slumber Party, um, which is a podcast where I cover teen films. Mike's on all the time, especially lately. And, oh, follow me on Twitter personally at OhMyRodriguez. That is my Twitter handle. And Mike, you have uh, handles everywhere. The Mikester, usually. Not the Mike. What is your handle, technically? So at the Twitter, it's at the underscore Mikester. And uh, all the other shows that I do is over at cageclub.me. Um, I guess the titular Cage Club with uh, Podfather Joey. I do The Monsters That Made Us with Dan Cologne and my own little show called Third Time's a Charm that Brian is on all the time so check all that out at cageclub.me mike i was looking at my schedule uh-huh for the for the next couple months on high school slumber party uh-huh you're pretty much the co-host of high school slumber party <laughs> <laughs> because because of, because of how i'm like oh wait you said you're on that you said you're on that and you're here so we're gonna be spending a lot of time with each other yep. in 2022 i'll be around i'm not going anywhere and i'll be i'll be drinking some wine some coppola wine so I can't remember how we end this show, but I don't know. I can't remember either. Um, how, we how does the God? How does the Godfather end? Uh, and that's an offer you can't refuse. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, subscribe to our podcast, and that's an offer you can't refuse because it's free. If you think of something better uh, by the time you release this, feel free to just tag it on the end. And this is why we're not in Hollywood writing films. <laughs> And I'm Mike Mansey. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end. Beautiful friend. This is the end. My only friend. The end. Of our elaborate plans. The end. Of Stands the end, no say.